Psalm 41 is the last chapter in this first book of Psalms. There's the Psalms are typically broken up into five different books. And this is the last one of, of book one. And the theme that we see in this capstone Psalm for book one is this theme of grace, a God of grace who cares compassionately for us. And I pray that as we go through this Psalm today, that you will be reminded that God does not want just to be with you for eternity, but he wants to be with you now. And I think sometimes as believers, we, we make this decision for salvation to come to faith in Christ. And we do it because we don't want to go to hell. We do it because we want eternal salvation. We want to be redeemed and restored. But yet we forget that even in those hard moments, the moments that knock us off our feet, that there's a God who wants to intervene on our behalf and care for us and be present with us in those seasons. So I pray that today is a great reminder of how much you are loved. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, before we get into today's episode, I have a quick word. I know that you have been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. I know. I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus, how he calls them, how he encourages them, how he equips them. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, helping you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I also include a lot of cultural and historical information that makes these familiar passages of scripture really come alive. This is a great study to do with maybe your teen girls or a group of friends from church, and it will really help you gain confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. Again, head to shehears.org and you can find the Bible study on the resources page. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are continuing our devotional reading of the Psalms in Psalm 41, beginning with verse 1. Blessed is he who has regard for the weak. The Lord delivers him in times of trouble. The Lord will protect him and preserve his life. He will bless him in the land and not surrender him to the desire of his foes. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed and restore him from his bed of illness. I said, O Lord, have mercy on me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, When will he die and his name perish? Whenever one comes to see me, he speaks falsely while his heart gathers slander. Then he goes out and spreads it abroad. 
All my enemies whisper together against me. They imagine the worst for me, saying, A vile disease has beset him. He will never get up from the place where he lies. Even my close friend, whom I trusted, he who shared my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. But you, O Lord, have mercy on me. Raise me up, that I may repay them. I know that you are pleased with me, for my enemy does not triumph over me. In my integrity you uphold me, and set me in your presence forever. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Today is the last psalm in what is considered book one of the psalms. The psalms are divided up into five books, and so Psalm 41 is the last one with that first book. In verse one, it says, Blessed is he whose regard for the weak, the Lord delivers him in times of trouble. That essentially is the theme for this last psalm in, in book one, where God has this special concern for really the weak and the helpless, and he blesses those that show love and kindness to those that people group. And so verses one through three, let me read two and three. The Lord will protect him and preserve his life. He will bless him in the land and not surrender him to the desire of his foes. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed and restore him from his bed of illness. What we're seeing here is this picture of this biblical principle that is found in Matthew 5 verse 7, where it says, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. We talked about this a couple days ago. And as we share God's compassion for people that are in need, we can pray with confidence that God will help and rescue us when we ourselves are in trouble. This is the this biblical principle that we're seeing. And so there's a connection between our response to the needs of those around us and then God's response to us when we are ourselves in need. I think sometimes we miss that. And then as we are in need, what we see is God's response as he protects us from harm in verse one, how he blesses our lives in verse two, and how he destroys the power of the enemy and our own enemies in verse two, and then how he cares for us and heals us when we're sick in verse two. And and so what we see is this pattern in scripture and over and over where there's this connection. And I think the more dangerous thing is to think about the connection when the opposite is true. When we don't care for the weak and the helpless and the needy. See, I think um, sometimes we are very quick to accept this biblical principle of, yes, God is going to come in and help and deliver me when I'm in trouble. But what if I don't respond the way that I'm called to? And I I think sometimes we forget that the opposite of true is true. So if we're looking at a biblical principle, if we don't connect that, then perhaps there are seasons in our lives that are consequences of our own sin. If God is calling us to bless those that he calls weak and we don't bless them. And I'm not saying, you know, if you don't have a lot of money, you know, or, or resources that, that you can't bless them. You can bless people that are weak and helpless emotionally or 
you know, we've all gone through seasons where we have needed that support when we've gone through those kinds of seasons. And there are some people that are quick to jump into giving advice or support or, you know, a a phone call. And there are other people that just don't want to be bothered. They want to do their own thing. But yet I think sometimes we forget that there's a connection. And so we are quick to blame God when he's not quick to rescue us. But yet we're forgetting that there's this biblical principle that, you know, I say this all the time, like God's provision for us and God's um, the way that God lays things out for us in scripture and this pursuit of righteousness, it's for a reason. And, and we can trust him that it's for a reason, if we, even if we don't always understand. But yes, sometimes we skip over the things that he tells us to do because it's uncomfortable. It's difficult for us. There's a story I told about how this happened in my own life. I think I told it about a year ago on, on the podcast where you can go back and listen to it. But God had very clearly asked me to um, intervene in a situation and I was hesitant and it was such a powerful lesson for me. Um, and and what that taught me, what that experience taught me is that the moment God calls me to do something, I need to be obedient. And sometimes that's difficult, especially when weakness or helplessness makes us uncomfortable. But yet if we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, That's exactly what we need to do. So if he is saying that those that have regard for the weak are blessed and the Lord delivers him in times of trouble, there's a connection there. And I don't want us to skip that, especially because it's reiterated in the New Testament as well. Verse nine, even my close friend whom I trusted, he who shared my bread has lifted up his heel against me. Jesus quoted this verse. I want to read it, actually. If you don't have Bible tabs, we have Bible tabs available in the She Years shop because I'm so thankful for my Bible tabs when I have to flip back and forth. John 13, verse 18. And this is Jesus talking. He says, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. Jesus is quoting this. Let me read it again here. 41 verse 9. Even my close friend whom I trusted, he who shared my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Sometimes I think um, we don't recognize how important it is to know the Psalms. But as I said at the onset of when we started studying, this was the song book of Jesus, that he knew these Psalms well, and he often taught and quoted them. And so there is so much value in understanding these concepts and these principles, because it helps us get a glimpse into how Jesus thought, which is sometimes difficult to do. But we have to recognize that Jesus and all the disciples knew these Psalms, they had them memorized, they they understood the Torah, which is the the Old Testament, um, the, and the wisdom literature, they understood the wisdom literature in a way that, um, they also assumed a lot of the people around them, you know, when he was teaching to a Jewish audience, they would have known some of these things that we don't know as first, um, I'm sorry, as, as present day Christians. So 41 verse nine, even my close friend whom I trusted, he who shared my bread has lifted up his heel against me. Jesus said this when he, he was referring to Judas who betrayed him. And 
Judas was a trusted friend for a while in the life of Jesus. We see that in Matthew 26. We see that in uh, Matthew 20. And, and then when we see Jesus recognizing this, I think that's important to remember because sometimes when we feel the sting and the heaviness of betrayal by a friend or abandonment by a friend, it's important to remember that Jesus felt that too. He understands that pain. And, and we can connect with him, not just as our savior, but as our comforter. The, the, the scripture talks about how the, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to comfort us and Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit are all one. He's a triune being. And so Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to comfort us when we've experienced betrayal and loss in terms of friendship. And he understands how we feel because he experienced it himself as well. In general, this psalm is mostly, by most scholars, looked at as a poem. Some would say it's a like a prayer song of the sick. Some would say it's an individual lament psalm. But it, it really starts off in the beginning with this idea of having regard for, for the sick or the needy or the weak. And then it goes into talking about blessing and... Um, understanding kind of the heart behind what is going on in terms of the connection between the two. And really what we're seeing in Psalm 41, if you think about this in terms of bookends, Psalm 1 starts off talking about blessing. And then we're at Psalm 41, which would be the end of the first book with David as, as for the most part, seeing being seen as the author of, of book one. David is kind of seen as a prototype of a righteous man. And he's talking about being this blessed person who has regard for the weak or the needy. And as we've kind of seen throughout this whole entire first book, we're looking at David's relationship with God, where God is really present with him. He's present with him through sickness, through trials, through war, through victory, through loss, through anxiety, through depression, through ceremony, through um, being like in the assembly. It talks about the assembly being in the temple. And, and what we see throughout consistently is this presence of God in the life of David. In contrast to God's presence being there constantly, we also see this characterization of David's enemies and sometimes even his friends that have spoken ill against him, that have uh, left him, that have maybe interpreted his illness as disease or sin, uh, that, you know, his enemies want him dead and or even, you know, at some point triumphed over him in, in verse two. And so... I think it's interesting as we see Jesus quote this, what Jesus is facing. He's, he's talking about Judas abandoning him, but in general, what we're seeing is Jesus is experiencing much of the same things that David has gone through the betrayal, people wanting him dead or defeated, um, 
and I think there's a parallel here that sometimes we miss if we don't necessarily recognize when it's being quoted in the New Testament. And one of the things that I got a little bit of backlash for when we started this series was, you know, the podcast is called Hearing Jesus, and I'm not hearing you talk about Jesus a lot. And, and I want to reiterate, first of all, as evangelical believers, we recognize the Trinity. And the Trinity means that God is a triune being, meaning part of him is God, part of him is Jesus, and part of him is the Holy Spirit. All three are in one three or one. Jesus is God. God is Jesus. They have different functions. And historically throughout um, humanity, we've seen them happen to work in different functions. The role of God, the father is different than the role of God, the son. And that's different than the role of God, the Holy Spirit, but they're all three in one. So essentially by talking about God, talking about Yahweh, talking about um, Jesus and talking about the Holy Spirit, we're all talking about the character and nature of God. So that kind of puts that argument to rest right off the bat. But there are things that when I say it's a messianic Psalm, it points forward to Jesus. And then we also see like in this Psalm, Jesus pointing back to the Psalms. And I, like I just said, Jesus knew these Psalms. These were the, the words that Jesus was quoting the most in, throughout the Old Testament, or I'm sorry, throughout the New Testament. And so there are some that are hard to understand or they're hard to push through or they're hard, maybe they feel repetitive. But the, this foundational understanding of the Psalms gives us a better understanding of the thought process of Jesus or the words that he was saying or what he was reminding us of or how we see him in the Old Testament. And so we're going to continue pushing through through the, the next four books of the Psalms and looking for these glimpses of Jesus, looking through the way that they point to Jesus and also the, the way that Jesus points back to them. To understand what I'm talking about, I want to just point out in verse 9, when it says, even my close friend whom I trusted, he who shared my bread has lifted up his heel against me. There's an importance here because it's echoed by Jesus and it's uh, like a, a fulfillment, almost like a pro one of those prophetic moments. When it's talking about the close friend, it literally translates to the man of my peace. And so that's really talking about someone that is committed. If you say that's a man of my peace or my close friend, it's somebody that's committed to my well-being. And so we see that in other places in the Psalms. Um, and so when this verse ends with a statement of betrayal, where it's literally saying he has magnified his heel against me, the NIV says he has turned against me that word heal, it's related to the name of Jacob, who is known to be deceptive for his ways back in Genesis 27. And some translations will use the phrase more literally, he has lifted his heel against me. And so in a metaphorical sense, what that's saying is there's a lifting of the heel suggesting that they turn and they walk out on someone in their time of need. So they lift the heel. And sometimes it's even talking about lifting the heel and then crushing that that person. So it's, it's a person that has gone from being committed to his well-being to turning around and walking out on him in his time of need. But not only that, but taking the heel and crushing him 
on the way out. And man, I pray that you've never experienced that. But for those of us that have, it's a heartache. It's, it's a heartache. And yet there's this comfort of knowing that we serve a God who knows that heartache in a very real sense. That compassion that he has on us, that love he has for us, that desire to help us through that comes from a place of knowing that kind of pain, that kind of hurt. And see, I think sometimes we forget. We forget that Jesus was fully man. And yes, he didn't sin, but it doesn't mean that he didn't hurt. And, and I and I think that's important to, to point out. He was fully man. He felt the sting of pain the way that we do. The the physical pain, yes. The emotional pain. It it's possible for Jesus to feel that. And I think so many for so many years I didn't recognize that. I just thought, oh well, he's God, he's kind of immune to the things we're going to. It's the exact opposite. That's part of the reason he came. So that when he speaks he come, he speaks to a situation from a place of knowing the pain that we're going through. Verse 10, I want to point out something too that might be a little bit confusing out of context. It says, But you, O Lord, have mercy on me. Raise me up that I may repay them. That's interesting because um, what we have seen from David in the past, when he when he's talking about repaying them, that's a little bit surprising based on the character of David we've seen in the last couple of chapters. And even in the imprecatory Psalms, which imprecatory means curse, those the Psalms that were the curse Psalms that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, David leaves vengeance to God. And what we're seeing here is this understanding of David being put in a place of kingship, which means that he has the opportunity and the authority to take action against his enemies. Some of that is David's humanness. Some of that, you know, it does happen. Sometimes we get to a place where the roles are switched. And remember what I said, that sometimes we have to read things in terms of scripture and understand, is this prescriptive or is this descriptive? If it's talking about Jesus, it's prescriptive, meaning that's how we're supposed to act. If it's talking about a person, a human it's most of the time it's descriptive unless they are, are acting in righteousness and they themselves are emulating Jesus. Then we know it's, it's prescriptive. And so perhaps some of this is David's, um, sin coming out. Perhaps it is a sincere plea, like, okay, God, get me to a place where I can deal with them. Um, but, but typically what we want to see is a heart that allows God to deal with those that have wronged us. There's two word pictures that, that I want to make sure that we don't miss as we close out this first book of the Psalms. Um, in Psalm 41, we see this theme of God's grace as a reality. And so we see it in verse 3 and we see it in verse 12. Let me read verse 12. In my integrity you uphold me. And set me in your presence forever. And in verse 3 we see, The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed and restore him from his bed of illness. 
These two pictures remind us of God's grace as an everyday reality. And that aspect should be an undercurrent in our behavior and our actions and our word. And so while we see David maybe not necessarily act with grace, the more important picture is we see God acting with grace. And so when it says, in my integrity, you uphold me, in verse 12, the picture here is that God is holding David up, supporting him. And that word uphold, it literally means to bear the weight of or to support something as, as you are bearing the weight of it. That's the effect of grace in our lives. And maybe it's the burden of sin and, and the, the process of redemption that happens as a result of our sin when we turn to Christ. Or maybe it is the burden of an illness or maybe it is the burden of grief or maybe it is the burden of the everyday stuff. I mean, every day is, is, you know, right now we're facing inflation and, you know, our grocery bill was twice what it normally was this week. Like there's this everyday difficulty, regardless of what we're facing. This is the part that's prescriptive when, when I'm saying, when it's talking about God or it's talking about Jesus, if he didn't for David, it reveals to us that that is who he is. If God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, the pages of these scriptures reveal to us the nature and character of God. So the same God that lifts up David is the same God that lifts us up. And then the second word picture, the one in verse three, the Lord will sustain him on his sickbed and restore him from his bed of illness. It's this beautiful picture of restoration. And when it says you restore them from their bed of illness, literally what the text is saying is that you, Lord, turn this whole bed over in his illness. And so what we see in that is this idea of like the patient's room and Yahweh's bedside manner as he attends to the sick patient who was, you know, David's suffering at this point with a serious illness. And so Yahweh, God, even turns the bed over to make the patient more comfortable. So if you picture, um, you know, a nurse coming in and tending to someone and changing the sheets and moving the patient over so they're on, you know, fresh linen. That's this picture that we see of Yahweh. He turns the whole bed over in his illness. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed and restore him from his bed of illness. I don't know if that hits you the way that hits me. That even in those places where we're driven to our beds in grief or illness or sickness, there's this picture, you know, in the ancient world of Israel, there's this tender picture that that is foreign. (laughs) The king does not, Yahweh is king. The king does not serve the patient. But yet that's what we see here. We see Yahweh, the King of Kings, carefully and tenderly 
taking care of the needs of the patient. And so as we look at this picture of the Lord's care of David, we recognize that it's, it's also available to us. And it helps us understand that God is a hands-on God who is not, it's not like this once in a lifetime, okay, we, we pray for salvation and we get to heaven when we die. It's God is a hands-on God who wants to walk alongside of us and be present in our lives and take care of us, even in those moments that are too hard for us to stand up. When Jesus says in Matthew 11 that his yoke is easy, it's a meaningful understanding of this detail of how God operates in grace in our lives. And it's not that the things that we go through in life are easy, but allowing him into our life is easy because he's a good God. He's a good father. And he wants to walk alongside of us in those moments of life that are just too much for us to bear. And so given that insight, I want to read Psalm 41 again as we close out this first book of the Psalms. Blessed is he who has regard for the weak. The Lord delivers him in times of trouble. The Lord will protect him and preserve his life. He will bless him in the land and not surrender him to the desire of his foes. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed and restore him from his bed of illness. I said, O Lord, have mercy on me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? Whenever one comes to see me, he speaks falsely while his heart gathers slander. Then he goes out and spreads it abroad. All my enemies whisper together against me. They imagine the worst for me, saying, A vile disease has beset him. He will never get up from the place where he lies. Even my close friend whom I trusted, he who shared my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. But you, O Lord, have mercy on me. Raise me up that I may repay them. I know that you are pleased with me, for my enemy does not triumph over me. In my integrity you uphold me and set me in your presence forever. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. God, we thank you that you are a God that holds us up when we cannot stand on our own. We thank you that you are a God that comes and finds us in our sickness and not only is are present with us, but you tend to us, you care for us, you restore us, and you put us upright again. God, I thank you for this picture we see of you God beside us throughout this entire first book of the Psalms. Lord, I pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to us in a way that helps us understand the real tangible presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And not that it's just this fire insurance against going to hell one day, but that we understand that you are a God that longs to be present in our every day. God, I thank you and I praise you for who you are and who you continue to be in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey friends, I just want to let you know that we have lots of great resources for you in the She Hears shop. So if you are looking for something to do after you've finished the She Hears Bible study, or even if you would like a Bible to go along with the Psalm study that we're doing, we have lots of note-taking Bibles and journaling Bibles. There's kind of something for everyone in there. And a new thing we put in the shop is something I love. I use it with my teenage daughters, is the real pretty Bible 
books of the Bible markers. So you, they're little tabs you put on the outside of your Bible and they help you easily be able to see and flip to different books of the Bible. It's so helpful like for church or when you're doing a Bible study to easily be able to see where you're going. So I pray all those things are resources that you will find helpful. And again, you can find those at shehears.org on the resources page. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call on your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.